Welcome back to the Growth Over Goals podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. Today, I'm with a new friend, somebody I've really come to respect and just truly enjoy learning from. Some of you know Kevin Eastman, some of you don't. Whether you know him or not, I'm gonna tell you about Kevin Eastman. Super excited about today's guest. If you're in the basketball world, you're probably familiar with some of Kevin's background. If you're not in the basketball world, here we go. Kevin is an international speaker to corporate and sports teams. He's taken so much of what he learned on the court and the locker room out to businesses and corporations, doing a big job, speaking on stages all across the country. He was also an NBA world champion with the Boston Celtics in 2008, sat alongside Doc Rivers, coaching one of the best teams in NBA history. Some of you remember that team, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, And then NBA Finals appearance with the Celtics in 2010, coached two NBA All-Star games in 2008 and 2010. LA Clippers, VP of Basketball Operations, Los Angeles Clippers assistant coach, Boston Celtics assistant coach, 11 years as a college head coach, 11 years as a college assistant coach, four years as a college director of athletics. And check this out, has worked with and or coached these NBA All-Stars, including... LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Anthony Davis, and Ray Allen. Just a few names who are uh, okay at basketball. Consultant to Nike Basketball, working with Nike's elite college and high school players. He founded and directed Coaching You Live. That's where Kevin and I met and connected. I was fortunate enough to speak at the NBA front office event, connected with Kevin. And uh, Kevin, you are also the author of Why the Best Are the Best, 25 Powerful Words that Impact, Inspire, and Divine Champions, an Amazon bestseller, amazing read, great book. Kevin Eastman, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Um, You know, it's kind of funny how these things work. Uh, I often say you never know who you're going to meet in life, uh, who you're going to, what you're going to learn from them when you do meet them and whether or not it will go on from that initial meeting. And um, just as you said, you're, you're fortunate enough to have met me. I, I, I feel the exact same about you, especially when I observed, because uh, one of my personal philosophies is I go through life with big eyes, big ears, and a small mouth, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking and observing, and I'm always listening. Um, and to watch you kind of uh, work the room at that fantastic dinner that you had with with so many unbelievable high achievers, yet incredible people. Uh, it was something to see. And, um, you know, sometimes you leave somewhere and you say, I like that guy, even though you don't know. Him. Like, I, I like that guy. So that was one of my uh, parting comments uh, when I left the uh, the restaurant that evening. So thank you. Well, for that. I'm so glad you attended. Yeah, that dinner of champions event in Las Vegas. And uh, you just add value wherever you go. And, and one thing I picked up on, I picked up on this at the Coaching You event. I also picked up on this at Alan Stein's event. Alan Stein refers to you as a mentor. So here's mm-hmm. what's interesting about you, Kevin. You're at the Coaching You event, um, and I'm watching you take copious notes. And then you go to Alan Stein's event later that day. And he's technically a mentee of yours. And yet again, you're sitting there next to Fran Franchilla taking copious notes. You know, you talk about humility in your book. We're going to talk about humility today, but I think one of the things that's been a 
a hallmark trait of your leadership is humility and curiosity. You know, and John Wooden owns the rights to one of my favorite quotes. He says, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. And when I think about that quote, I think about you. I think about your leadership and um, how you continue to learn, to grow. And you being with us today on this podcast is an example of that. So thank you again for being with us. I want to hit you with my first question. You've worked with some of the very best of the best. You've coached seven Hall of Famers, 31 All-Stars, reaching two NBA World Championship finals. And then you won it all with the Boston Celtics in 2008 with Doc Rivers. Um, share with us any, any characteristics, habits, or mindsets that set the best apart. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's, there's so many things uh, I could go into uh, right now because, the, you know, everyone says to me, well, gosh, it must, must have been so much fun to be at the highest level and to coach in the NBA and to win a world championship. And my response is always the same. Yeah, it was fun, but even more important than that, and even more important to me, was when you're around the best of the best, if you just like go through life with big eyes, big ears, and a small mouth, it's amazing what you will learn. And what I learned is there are commonalities to those who are successful, regardless of occupation, craft, or, or interest. So um, I've been on kind of a personal journey for, gosh, 50 years. When went back, back when I was a little kid, I was always curious, like, why did that guy get there and that guy didn't? Why does she hold the VP position and, and he doesn't, right? Why is that person getting more out of what God has given them than that person who has even more in his tank or her tank? So, uh, hence, that's why I ended up writing the book, because I had a, I've had a lifelong curiosity of, of why. So, um, you know, I can't go through the whole book, obviously, uh, but there are some things as soon as you were asking that question that jumped out. And, and um, I have this thing I call uh, master the threes. They are three sets of three bullet points, and we don't have time to go over all of them, but I'll give you one as an example. I believe what I found from being around the best of the best, and these are even my friends who are uh, corporate CEOs, corporate VPs, maybe corporate directors of something. Uh, it, again, it, it's not craft specific uh, or industry specific. And what I found is uh, they have this ability to master what I call the three sets. And those three sets are skill set, mindset, and reset. Skill set is on the individual person, the individual player, right? Whatever your leader, your coach, your company is asking of you to do, You've, you've got to have the skills and, and be at the top of your game in those skills to give the best and bring the best to, um, to your organization. So the skills gets pretty, pretty simple to explain. It's on, it's on the individual performer, right? The individual employee. Mindset is all about, you know, kind of your attitude, right? How you go into things. Um, you know, mindset to me says you have the opportunity to set your mind as soon as you wake up. So what are you going to do, right? You know, people talk about circumstances and 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 attitude. Uh, you know, and sometimes you can let your circumstances uh, dictate your attitude. I I I I think the reverse is true. The mindset I've tried to go through life with is I'm going to make sure my attitude is more powerful than the circumstances with which I am in or I'm going through. 
And I am not going to let the circumstances dictate my attitude. So that's an example of my mindset. I'll get in another one a little bit later. I, I set my mind each and every morning with uh, five reminders, what I call my success foundation. And I think about these things each and every day. So if I forget, you can remind me to go back to those. Um, because as you see, my mind's starting to move now. When my eyes move all around, <laughs> my mind's moving and there's so much, my, my mouth can't work as fast as my mind is moving. So, well, this uh, is, this is, we're, we're already into note taking time here. So this is great. No. And the last one is reset. And to me, that's all about mistakes and failures, right? Mm. Because we're all going to have them. And one little philosophy we had, you know, in, in pro sports, especially in basketball, the action happens so fast that you can't stay in the last play, right? Mm. Uh, there's a concept called next play, as you know, from being around sports. But reset is, uh, uh, from a mistake standpoint, is this is what we said. Look, with mistakes, just make new ones. That's all. Just make new ones. If you make the same ones over and over again, we have to cut you, trade you, get rid of you, right? Do something, right? But if you lead the NBA in brand new mistakes, we got to do the same thing too. But we had that conversation you know, a, another term or mantra we had is start before you start. Well, even before we started the season, we had this conversation with our guys. Look, you're going to make mistakes, make new ones. But if you make too many of those, we can't play you, right? If you lead the league in the same mistake over and over, we can't play you. You agree with that, right? And of course, they're all going to agree with that. And then failure is the big one because this stops us from even trying. And that's a shame. Because I have a, a personal philosophy, which, was, which is one of my success foundation pieces that I say to myself each and every day, and it goes like this. There's more inside each of us. There is. There's more inside you. There's more inside me. There's more inside every person who's listening to this call, regardless of what they have accomplished in their career. So it begs the, the, the ultimate question, are we willing and will we commit to pulling that out? Right. And this is where we have to get over this this concept of failure. And what I believe is we got to look at it in a couple of ways. Does it start you or stop you? Mm. And people say, oh, wow, it never stops me. Yes, it does. It stopped everyone who's on this 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 podcast today. It just stopped you for five minutes. It can stop you for one hour. Right. It can stop you for three games, which I've seen happen to really good players in the NBA. Right. Because contrary to popular belief, professional athletes are human, too. Mm. They just have to happen to make an oversized uh, a salary compared to all of us. Right. But but uh, they the good ones, it, it starts them back up again. Mm. Right. Are you going to treat it? The second thing, are you going to treat it as devastation or education? Mm. And to us in, in with the Clippers and the Celtics, we took it to the nth degree. We identified, we showed, and we talked about what was that mistake. And we didn't get into the who, who was last. We got into the what happened, maybe why it happened. And if in fact we needed to bring the who into it, we brought that into it. But we learned early on, if you start attacking because of a failure or mistake, early on, you'll never get, a, learning will never take place. And the last one, when I was down at um, Alabama, you know, I speak in the corporate world and I speak in the sports world. And I had a chance to sit down with uh, Nick Saban. And we were talking about a lot of different things. And one of the things I wanted to ask him about was, um, Coach, you know, like, how do you guys deal with failure? 
And he said, well, that's interesting because a lot of people think we don't fail here around around here in Alabama, or people don't think I've failed in my career, but that's, he said, that's untrue. I've had failures too. And I said, well, what do you say to your team? How do you deal with it? And he said, the way we talk about it is this, never waste a failure. Hmm. Never waste a failure. Losers waste failures. Right. So we want to make sure that we educate ourselves, not live in a world of devastation. We live in a world of education. We want to make sure it starts us back up again, not stopped us, stops us. Right. So that's a little bit about uh, skill set, mindset and reset that all. All of the best of the best, I believe, have mastered those three things. We are in the middle of a leadership masterclass. This is so good. And. Kevin, one of the things that I believe you're known for, one of the things that you do well is you, you tell great stories. You teach through principles, but I think you also teach through stories. Um, I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day, and you were talking about truth, you know, that you need to tell it, take it, live it. And you have this amazing story of coaching and, and working out with LeBron James. You're leading LeBron through a workout at, at Nike. Could you just drop us right into that story as we uh, dive into the topic of sharing the truth? Yeah, well, as my wife, Wendy, would tell you, Kevin was a little bit different at times when he was on the floor coaching a player than he is this <laughs> nice guy, you know, in his, in, our, in his room, in his house here today. So uh, I can't, by, like, take him exactly onto the floor because I don't <laughs> use those words anymore. Sure. Um, suffice it to say, you know, sometimes you have to uh, live in and deal in the environment you are in, mm, if that makes any sense, mm. right? So uh, uh, really the two guys that, that live this word truth, and I should say, you know, the book is about the 25 most powerful words that, mm. that impact and inspire champions, right? And, uh, but here's the difference. Many of these words, people will say, yeah, I know that word. Or yeah, I got that word in my vocabulary. But the difference is some people have these words in their vocabulary, other people live these words. Mm. They live these words. And one of them is, I think, the single most important word in all of success, and that's the word truth. Because how can we get to where we want to go unless we know the truth about what we're doing well? Let's keep doing that. But more importantly, what are we not doing well? What's keeping us from reaching our dreams, reaching our goals, reaching the things that we kind of wanted to have reached, you know, when we were a little kid even, right? What's keeping us from that? It's finding out the things uh, that's important, finding out those things. As a matter of fact, what I found with the best of the best, they're okay with you telling them what they're doing well. They get that. Thanks, coach. I appreciate that. But please tell me, what can I do to take this team to a higher level? Mm. What can I do to take my game to a higher level? They want that end of the truth. Most people don't want that end of the truth. Why? It stings. It turns our ears red. It embarrasses us, right? Uh, we never want people to think we're, we're, we're not as good as we say we are. So anyway, the two guys that lived this word the most were, well, there's more than two. I mean, Steph lives it. Uh, LeBron lives it. Kevin Garnett, who we coached, lives it. But when I was out at Nike, um, Nike called, uh, called a meeting with LeBron and all of his group when he was coming out of high school because they wanted to pitch him on wearing the shoe. So... Um, they brought LeBron out, but they said, look, it's going to be a, a, a total overall experience. We're not just going to have you in meeting rooms. We'll also have you get some time on the court, too, because we know we want you want to keep working on your skills. 
So I was called in because at the time I was reputed to be, you know, one of the best skill development guys, you know, I don't know, in the country. So uh, I went in, but the first thing I asked the Nike people was this, let me ask you something before I, before I come out there, because I, I, I want there to be a fit between myself and LeBron. I said, do you think he's willing to hear the truth? And they said, oh, for sure. We know LeBron, he'll, he'll, whatever you say, he's going to take it. So that was number one, because if the answer to that was no, I'm not sure there was a reason for me to go out. Because if you don't hear the truth, more times than not, you stay at the level you currently are, or you dip a little bit, right? So we get out there. And I always do five or six minutes of just loosening them up. We do some layups, you know, some easy stuff. I might be joking with them and all that. Then we start to go into the area of the game that he really wanted to work on. And that was shooting. Because at the time, he was, it was so easy for him to get to the rim, just to, 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 to score close to the basket. And as he get, went against better and better players, as he climbed this proverbial NBA ladder, right, he had to learn to, to score from spots away from the basket. So we're starting to work on his shot. And I'm hitting him with passes, and he's shooting. And, about, uh, and he may not even remember this. But about 10 minutes into our shooting workout, I said, I, I, we, 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 we got to stop. We got to stop, right? And, you know, the, obviously the, it begged the question from him, why? I said, look, I, I read about you. I've listened to some YouTubes. I know where you want to go. I know that. And I'm assuming that is the truth that you're, you're speaking when you say that. However, we have to start from where we are before we can get to where we want to go. And right now what I'm seeing, we're continuing to practice a high school shot. High school shots don't work in the NBA. So let's do this. Let's amp this, uh, let's amp this stuff up a little bit. All right. There was, my, there was the old coach. Sorry, guys. Uh, That's great. Uh, so let's amp this stuff up and start working out like a pro. And all of a sudden, you, you know, I wish I was in front of your group because I could show you better than I could say it. But, I mean, you know, because you've been there yeah. uh, and been on the floor and been in the, on the fields and all that. But uh, uh, I'm passing the ball. I'm rebounding. I'm passing the ball. I'm passing the ball. I'm passing the ball. Right. And we're going. And we're going. And going. And we're sweating. And he's sweating. And I'm probably saying a few words to encourage him that you wouldn't say Sunday afternoon at church. <laughs> you know, it, it might be, uh, hey, that's effing not good enough. It's not. It's not. Let's go. Come on. Come on. So all of a sudden, what was supposed to be 45 minutes in the gym ended up being 90. And unbeknownst to us, because we were late, all of the higher-ups at Nike, all of them, right? Except for Phil Knight, but everyone underneath Phil were in the stands watching. And I, as soon as we were done, I didn't even notice it because, you know, you get consumed in the, in, the, in the environment. And I turn, and we're walking off the floor, and I first see all those guys, and I'm thinking – I do not want to hear that we just wasted 45 minutes of their meetings, right? But what I really wanted to do was to, to put my arm around LeBron uh, because as leaders, we can do one of three things. We can get in front of our people and pull them forward. Mm. Sometimes we need to do that. We can get behind our people and push them <clears throat> forward. Mm. Sometimes you have to do that. But I think what, what people and and especially athletes, what they need today is not only those two things. I think sometimes you need to get shoulder to shoulder, put an arm around somebody and walk with them. Mm. So that's what I decided to do at that moment. 
and I said, hey, hey, Brian, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little, you know, I, w- I want to apologize for getting on you that hard. And he said something to me that was so simple, yet so profound. And average people will find this as simple. Successful and high achievers will find this as profound as, as, as I did. Right. And he said, coach, I just want to know everything I need to know to get better. And it hit me that night. Right. You see, because what I do is when I hear things, I try and extrapolate them out. And that thing stuck with me, even though it was a simple statement. And you know what he was really teaching me? In order to become the best, there's a formula. It's better plus better plus better plus better plus better. And however many betters you need to get to where you want to go, that's how you must go about your day your hour, your minute, your week, your seconds, right? Your month, your quarter, if you're in the corporate world. And he taught me that, that it's important that you just try and get better each day, right? Now, athletes can measure that. They can, because they might make uh, eight out of 10 shots on Monday, and then three Mondays from now, all of a sudden, they're nine out of 10. They can measure better. Mm. Sometimes, Common folk like us, meaning meaning those of us who are in, say, the non-athletic world, like I know all the books say you got to get 1% better. Boy, this is a long answer to a short question. This this is great. This is so good. Keep going. I know the books say you got to get 1% better, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to measure that. I went to Apple the other day, trying to see if they had an app to figure out, could I put something in my arm? Could I do this? Could I put it in my head? Could I put this band around? (laughs) I can't measure 1%. So I've changed my philosophy. With athletes, sure, we do want to get a little bit better. So now what I try and do is not so much worry about 1% better. I worry a lot about feeding my mind every day. Hmm. Feeding my mind every day. Because if I feed my mind properly, I'm going to get better. Is it 1%? I don't know. It might be 9%. But I know if I feed my mind with what I read, the discussions I have, the YouTubes I watch, the personal think time that I put into each and every day, I know I'll get better. So now we transition and I'll get off of this word truth. And you said it right. Like I believe, um, Gosh, no one will ever have to hire me anymore because here's my talk, right? But anyway, so uh, 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 so I, I believe this. If you use truth properly in your organization, mm. it can be a competitive advantage. Mm. It can be a competitive advantage. Mm. Why? Because your people will always know what they need to be working on to get to that proverbial next level, which is <clears throat> one of the things you talk about and what you're trying to promote in all of these uh, podcast is taking people to the next mm. level, right? Well, believe it or not, next level demands next level. I, I think people don't understand that part of it. Next level demands next level, yeah. next level discipline, next level level concentration, next level preparation, and you keep going on and on and on. So I need to, at this point, tell people that I'm from New Jersey. So that's why when I get excited, I talk fast. So I will try and slow down in my Virginia talk <laughs> right now, but I doubt it will happen. So Kevin Garnett. Well, no, how do you make it a competitive advantage? And I'm going to ask everyone in a serious mode because we're, we're smiling a little bit on this too, but I want to be serious here. Cross-check yourself in your organization, especially those of you who are uh, leaders, right? Mm. 
which my guess is many people are on this call. In order to have truth work for you, three things you need. And Jordan, you mentioned it earlier. You got to be able to live it. You got to be able to tell it. And you got to be able to take it. What does live it mean? Simply put, do your actions match your words? Because as I say, when I talk to leadership groups, you know, your title will make most people show you some respect because most people are brought up in a, in a, in a, in a good way. So they respect the title, but that doesn't mean they'll follow you. You know what's going to tell them whether they will follow you or not? Their eyes and ears. Their eyes and ears will tell them whether they're going to follow you because those you lead are constantly trying to get that, that match between what you say and what we see you do. So good. So do your actions match your words. You got to be able to live it. You got to be able to tell it. I don't, I don't have time to get into all of this very deep, but, but simply put, um, we are all different. So as a leader, you got to figure out how does my message stick? Mm. No, take that back. That's wrong. How does my, me- my message first penetrate? Mm. And then if we're really good, how does it stick? Well, to me, that's all about relationships. It's all about relationships because there's a kind of an unwritten rule in the NBA. The harder messages you want to sell, maybe with one of those words we were talking about, maybe use that in there. The harder the message, I should say it this way, the stronger the relationship, the harder the messages you can send. Mm, so they'll, know, they'll, they'll know the intent and the origin of the message. The intent is I want to help you. Mm. The origin is the heart, the heart. You see, because in leadership, it's a battle for two things, I believe. Mind space, M-I-N-D. How do we get a piece of our people's minds when they're at work? Oh, my gosh. Today, when they're not at work, because the new workplace is not the actual workplace anymore, right? So how do we get a piece of their mind? And I believe all the great coaches, if you really study the great coaches, and again, there's no absolutes here. No matter what we've heard, what we've been taught, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Because so everyone can come up with an example. Well, what about this guy? The overwhelming majority of guys know that it's a battle for mind space. And how do you get to the mind? Through the heart. Through the heart. Through the heart. When I listened to, on, to you on stage uh, there in Las Vegas, at, at, I think I can't remember the hotel, but anyway, um, where, where, where I was most impressed is I heard your message, but I felt your heart. Mm. That sticks. Mm. You talk about Velcro? Holy heck, you talk about Velcro. When you can get your heart involved in the things that you do, mm. That sticks. Who do we tell? Mm. Who do we tell most of our stuff that we don't tell anyone else? Those who have a piece of our heart. So, mm. so how do you get the heart? There's only one way to develop the relationship, right? Um, so enough on that one because I don't want to. I don't want to burden people with with uh, too much here. Oh, this is so good. You know, here's part of what makes you an effective. Yeah, stop me. Ask me though. something else because I got to no, get this a sip is, of water. This is great. Um, and I want somebody to hear this. If you're thinking about communicating 
more publicly, you know, or maybe you're just an emerging leader who wants to be more effective in, with your message. You're always better to say a lot about a little than a little about a lot. And so, and so this podcast episode is going to be the truth episode. Like I would rather spend time on truth and go deep than try to talk about action and humility and some of the other words in a book. Kevin, you, this, this book on truth, I would challenge you to write a book just on truth. Like your ability to talk about truth, the live it, tell it, take it message is so powerful. And I think it's the one that the corporate world needs maybe more than any other message right now. Um, I'm reminded of what, you know, Nick Saban said, you were referencing Nick Saban earlier, you know, and, and Nick said, average players want to be left alone. Good players want to be coached. Great players want the truth. And you've been around so many great players and you've been able to live it, tell it, take it. Such a powerful message. And the other thing I give to our leaders comes from the famous philosopher, uh, Joe Rogan. I'll say that with a wink. Uh, but Joe, Joe said, honest conflict holds more social value than dishonest harmony. You know, mm. honest conflict yeah. holds more social value than dishonest harmony. So I want you to take us, we're, gonna, we're actually going to stay with truth. And I want you to take us inside the locker room. Like, so here you are, you, you're, you're working with, coaching with the Celtics. And this is a world championship organization, but some said at the beginning of that season, it wasn't. In other words, you didn't necessarily have all the pieces. You had the, the, the big three, right? You had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. You had a good coaching staff, but some of the other pieces were in question. It was sort of a new team that hadn't played together a lot. Um, talk to us, like when, when you and Doc Rivers approached this team at the beginning of the season, I know you have some, some cool stories about this too. What was the initial message? How did you deal with the truth? Big egos, major contracts. How do you break through and, and allow those guys to believe that they can win a world championship? Well, a, a couple of things. Get me back to that question because okay. I already know I'm going like somewhere else. But um, uh, you mentioned Nick Saban and uh, the, the three little bullet points he said to his team. He actually got that uh, from us because Doc said that first. But, but that's not my point. I love here's it. My, I love it. No, here's my point. When I was down with Coach and we were sitting there um, and we were just talking in his office and um, he said, you know, Kevin, and, and this is interesting. You've probably, uh, all authors have found this, I'm sure. You never know who reads your book, ever. I didn't know Dabo Sweeney used the book every Friday night in his team meeting before Saturday's game, the year my book came out. Didn't know that. John Gordon, a mutual friend of ours, yeah. uh, told me that. Or maybe Dabo told me. But anyway, uh, well, with Coach, it's the same thing. He said, Kevin, you know, all of us as leaders, as coaches, for the most part, we say the same things. But he said, what I have to do is I have to make these messages come more alive, make them fresher, mm. and let them hear the same concept, but in a different set of words, mm. right? Mm. And, and, and that's what Nick was doing when he was, he put it into his own words when he, when he said those three things to his team. Um, but those things apply in the, in the corporate world, too. You think about it. No Average question. employees, they want to be left alone. The ones who are good and they want to do a good job, they kind of do want to be led. But the ones who really want to excel, they know there's only one way. They need to hear the truth. Yeah. And like for Kevin Garnett, 
So we trade. I promise people I will get to that question in, <laughs> in, good. in uh, three hours. But <laughs> because your questions are taking me all over, That's we should great. just go somewhere in the middle of the country. <laughs> we'll both sit on a stage. Whoever wants to listen, come on and we'll do it. Hey, I'm um, in. Count me in. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, we trade six players and two draft picks for Kevin Garnett. That's eight, uh, eight of our players. Eight of the 13 Crazy. we traded for him, right? And why? Because he's, he's so talented in ways that impact winning. Mm. Not just talented on skills, talented also in, in more importantly in the ways that impact winning, right? Mm. Um, and he's a, he's a culture changer. He's one of the few in sports who can change a culture just by how he acts, uh, the work he puts in, the, the, we call it teamness, the teamness that is about him, right? So when we mm-hmm. traded for Kevin, we had his press conference and he wanted to meet after the press conference. And he told Doc, Doc, look, I, I just need to meet with you. It's only going to be about a three minute meeting. We're like, three minutes? Like, what is this? And so, I, you know, I was kind of breaking into the NBA at the time and all that. I'd only been in a couple of years and I was thinking, man, this is the NBA. Players don't call meetings. Coaches call meetings. Dang it. Coaches call meetings. So Wendy, my wife, said, are you sure? She said, I don't know. Let me Google it. So I went on Google and I said, can an NBA player call a meeting with a coach? And the response was, if the player's as good as Kevin Garnett, yes. <laughs> Anybody else? No. <laughs> right? So we took the meeting. And here, on, you know, going from kind of smiling to, to, to serious again, here, here's what Kevin wanted to meet on. He sat in front of, in particular, Doc, and he looked Doc right in the eye. And he said, Doc, I need you to do one thing for me. One thing. I just need one thing out of you. Just one thing, Doc. And after about 17 one things, Doc said, okay, Kev, like, what is it? He said, Doc, I got to tell you, you could, again, if I was in front of your group here, it, it, it'd be better because they could actually see how Kevin is. But he does this some. Doc, I got to tell you, man, I just got to say, you, you, you guys need to do one thing to me. Doc said, okay, Kev, tell us, what is that one thing? He said, you got to tell me the truth. You have to tell me the truth. Because, Doc, I have blind spots. And those blind spots prevent me from seeing everything I need to see for us to get to where we want to go. But the more you tell me the truth, the more those blind spots go away. The more those blind spots go away, the more I can see. The more I can see, the more I can do. The more I can do, the more I can help. The more I can help, the more I can get this team to where you guys want it to go. So you got to tell me the truth. Now, some people will say, you know, you got to make sure you go in and, and ask your coach to tell you the truth. No. Best of the best, they ain't asking. They ain't asking. They're demanding Ooh, you tell them. It's good. It's good. Right? So It's good. Um, th- that was kind of the LeBron and the Kevin. So we, uh, getting back, you got to be able to live it, tell it, right? And there's a lot of communication uh things that we won't talk about now, but that that go into the tell part, right? Because as I always say, a message is only a message if it's received and acted upon. Otherwise, it's just words coming out of your mouth. So good. Or in Kevin Garnett's case, it's some spit coming out with those words, right? (laughs) Because it's so intense, right? Uh, So, uh, and then you got to be able to take it. And my, my, my feeling on this is that we've all been lied to. We have been kind of taught that uh, the truth hurts. I, I, I totally disagree with that. Mm. 
totally, right? I believe the truth helps. Now, I'll give you that it stings a little bit to hear it. I'll give you that it may turn our face and neck red because we're embarrassed. I'll give you that it might put a kink in my armor for a little bit. But to me, to, for me to get to where I want to go, I, I got to know that. Because if all I know is the things I'm doing well right now, that probably is going to keep me at that same level if I'm a hard worker. But that proverbial next step, it needs next level truth. And I, I'm going to say what I said earlier, because I don't know if people will. This is, this is really important that I learn from these guys. Next level demands next level. Mm. It, you, to get to the next level, you have to live in the, in, in the, the, the mindset of next level. And that's, that's, you know, it's your standards, right? Which is one of the words in the books, right? Your standards. To me, that, your standards are your personal daily resume. They are. When you send an email, that's your, in essence, that's your resume, right? Because they're seeing, okay, 17 unspelled words, no, no grammar, no nothing, right? They have a, a chance to make a choice and, 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 and uh, an impression that they get of you, right? And what we always say about standards relative to next level is, look, let's say I'm in front of the team. You ask, take us in the locker room. We had this conversation. Look, guys, we want to play to a high standard. I've heard you guys talk about standards and how they important they are, but we got to understand this guys. We got to make this decision. Now we have to make this decision. Are we willing to commit to live up to these standards or are we going to make a personal choice to dip down to a lower standard? What is it guys? What is it? Come on, man. What is it? Kev, what is it? Ray, what is it? All right. Well, coach, we're, 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 we're going we're gonna to live up to these things. Okay, then let's define what our standards are. And then we don't have time for that, but we, we actually had a, a, like a 10, point, 10 or 12 point bullet form on, on our standards mm. that they came up with. Uh, one of them was no excuses. That's a standard, right? Because we all know that today people blame a lot. People play the victim and they make excuses. Well, you can't win championships if you if that's a pervasive mindset amongst your group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't even know what the other question was, but sorry about that. Well, this is how you know it's a really great podcast episode in conversation. I really mean this. You know, when we step into a podcast conversation, you have all your, and, and you know this, Kevin, you got all your questions sort of laid out and you've done your prep and you've done your homework and you don't get to a majority of them. That's how you know it's a good conversation um, mm. because we're going deep here again on, and I'm going to, I want to challenge you to your, I don't know if it's a book. You said maybe you're going to write another book. I hope I'm not letting cat out of the bag too soon, but your content on truth, this message is the message. I think especially in corporate America that people need to hear. Um, Craig why? Rochelle said why? this, b because here's why. Craig Rochelle said this to me. He said, truth trumps flattery. And, you know, in the sports world, you grow up playing sports, you realize there's always going to be a coach. There's always going to be somebody that's challenging you, pushing you. It's a competitive environment. And so I think that, I think the, the spirit of challenge is, is assumed. 
Um, in the corporate world, I don't know that the spirit of challenge is always, con- in fact, you ask how many leaders, how many coaches do you have? Well, I got one or, you know, I, you know, the average Olympic athlete has seven coaches. And so if there's, if there's this idea that truth trumps flattery, well, the, the, the more influence you have, the higher up you go on the corporate ladder, the fewer people you have around you willing to give you the truth. And that's why I'm so fascinated with your message, because you're working with these very, very influential figures, but you've managed to deal in and to live in and to talk about and to tell truth. And, and that, to me, that sets you apart, sets your leadership apart. This message is so important. We don't have enough time. We could talk another two hours. Um, I wish I could go with you on this tour and, um, and have deeper conversations specifically about this topic. But um, I, know, I know we're coming to the end of our, our, our time together. And if there's more you want to say on the topic of truth, I want to hear it. I'm ready for it. But I also <laughs> want to hear what's next for, for Kevin Eastman. Because um, I, I heard you talk about a book. You're speaking on stages all across the country. There's some people listening to this. There's some leaders and some executives who are going, gosh, we got to bring Kevin into our organization. And we didn't even get to action and humility and intentionality and all the other things that you talk about. But, but um, tell us what's next for, for Kevin. What are, you, what are you working on? What are you thinking about? Yeah, well, uh, the, the, the thing that, uh, that is a, a constant in, in my life right now is, um, from, a, from a career and professional standpoint, is uh, the speaking that I do both to corporate America and to the uh, sports world as well. And it's been a neat uh, journey because I still get my sports fix, but I also get to transfer lessons that I've learned when I'm at the uh, particular company or particular team, because what I have found without question is um, success travels. Yeah. You can take success in a home game. You can take success on the road with you. It travels. Right. And more importantly, the commonalities, uh, they have stood the test of time. Now, we may say them differently right now, which is, I've said a couple of things maybe differently, but the concepts are kind of the same. Right. Um, but for me, uh, you know, dealing with all of this stuff about when you speak and, and talking to teams and being in locker rooms, uh, it's not about the message you send. It's about the message you, that is received and acted upon. We said earlier. So so for me, I'm on a constant search uh, for better word choice and better way to say things. For instance, um, you know, I had told you before we went on air, I, I'm condensing my uh, last month's worth of reading because that's what I do usually uh, the middle part of the next month. And I'm just looking at my sheet of paper here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, here's, a, here's a reminder for me. People react to what they hear. They follow what they see and feel. Mm. They react to what they hear. Oh, yeah, I heard that but they follow what they see and what they feel, right? Mm-hmm. Another note I wrote was, uh, you know, uh, you got to own up to move up. You got to own up to move up. That's all about accountability, personal accountability. I think of, of Danny Hurley. Uh, he was the coach at Connecticut this year, and they won the NCAA championship. Well, that's great, but people don't remember in the 2022 season, they got upset early in the NCAA tournament when New Mexico State beat them. So Danny didn't blame players for not making shots. He didn't blame play, the rebounders for not rebounding. He didn't blame their defense. He looked inside first. And then he got the three best remaining players that were going to come back the next year. And he said, guys, this is my fault. 
I didn't put the team together properly. I guarantee you, I am going to get you better shooters to surround yourself, to surround yourselves. And we will have a chance to compete for an NCAA title. Well, 12 months later, better shooters on the floor around some of their non-shooters, right? They win the 2023 title. Had Danny not owned up, they wouldn't have moved up. Had he not owned up, they would not have moved up from being upset to winning an NCAA title. Because accountability, and I've been saying this to coaches, gosh, when I started doing my real first public speaking was in coaching clinics way back 30, 35 years ago. And I used to always say, look, uh, accountability, we always talk to it talk about it with our teens, but we also have to make sure that there's a personal accountability. We all get that, right? And the term I think I'm hearing more and more and what I used way back then is uh, we have to check, change the mindset around accountability. Mm. And you've heard this before because I think you've heard speakers say this, but I've believed it for 35 years. Accountability is not something you do to someone. It's, do, it's something you do for someone because by holding them accountable, they will receive some truth. And we already established early in this podcast that the truth is, is, in my mind, the number one ingredient to become your mm. best self, right? So um, anyway, having said that, what am I doing now? Well, at the immediate future, I got the University of Minnesota football coming up here in a, in a week, followed by a really neat thing I do two or three times a year up in up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I can't go real deep into it because they said I can't go real deep into it, but it's, it's leadership training. It's one of the conferences, uh, uh, seminars, whatever you want to call it for special forces operators. Mm. Right. And, um, you know, just like many people, they're always curious about like, okay, you got the, the, the highest performers and you, you either win a championship or you, or it's a, it's not a good season, right? Mm. How do you, what's the, they want to know, like, what is the mindset of those types of guys? Like kind of what we're talking mm. about today, except we go a little bit deeper, right? Uh, how do they think? How do they, how did they become who they become, mm. right? How can we as leaders uh, continue to challenge them, even though there's at such a high level, mm. right? And, and we know in your sport that winning and losing is important. And as we know, in, in the military, it's not winning and losing, it's living or dying. Right. So uh, it's taken to an ultimate level there. So um, and then the other thing is I'm I'm contemplating, uh, like we've talked about, writing a second book. Uh, there's probably three areas that I'm contemplating right now. Um, and uh, thanks for screwing up my my thought process there, because now <laughs> you put a fourth into that. So I knew I shouldn't have gotten on this podcast <laughs> to begin with. But I did. And it's history now. Um, but by the way. For those who haven't, that word truth, we spent a lot of time on, as you know, uh, and you've probably said it on another podcast, John Gordon has written a, mm. uh, a great book and the name of it is truth, right? Yeah. Um, the, one so truth, get, the one truth, the one truth. Yeah. And you'll get, um, you'll get an opportunity to, to, to dive in it from John's perspective and from a totally different direction yeah, than that's right. what we were talking about today. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what, what we're doing. We're not a, as you know, Alan or maybe even Brendan has, has told you, you know, uh, I'm probably like, if someone wanted, wanted me to speak on how do you get, well, 
back in the day, I was doing about 75 talks a year. I've, I've kind of dialed back, I'm doing about 40 now. But how do you, how do you get to that from never do, being doing it? Uh, don't ask, don't ask Kevin and Wendy. <laughs> we are, we don't market. We don't knock on wood. Like Wendy, I'll tell you this story. You don't even need it. You can edit it off the podcast. But <laughs> we're sitting down when I got out of coaching and, and we decided that, yeah, because I knew I wanted to get into speaking, right? Because I, 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 after we won the championship, a couple of companies up in Boston, Boston asked me to come in and kind of tell them what I thought we did to win a championship. So that was fun. And then the emails you get after those and you're thinking, wow, you know, maybe you can impact uh, some people not in the world of sport. So um, I was listening to a show that Oprah Winfrey, it was her last show, actually. And uh, without your people thinking I'm a Oprah stalker, uh, she was on that rotating round uh, stage and she was in that, I think, peach colored dress and she was coming around and she said something. I call it when wisdom walks into your life. There's certain things people say and it, it mm. walks into your life and boom. Uh, like on stage, you were talking about uh, in, in Las Vegas, how it was so important for you to first dig deep inside mm. before you can help people on the outside. And you you said it in, in uh, also in a religious context, mm. right? That, that I think God wanted you first to, to look in there and then he'll help you. Yeah. Right. So, um, uh, and there's another one. You never know what people remember when you speak, Right. So, um, Oprah, so what she true. said on our last show was take action on the things that whisper to you. Take action on the things that whisper to you. Well, I think that was my over the hump moment. I think people call it That's aha. Good. I don't aha. I got to get over this hump. Right. So uh, I started to think, you know, seven years prior, I would wake up every day. OK, how can we defend Kobe? Oh my God, we got to play. We got to play Steph tomorrow. How can we double team him coming off a pick and roll? Well, the last year or two before I heard Oprah's statement, my first thoughts of the day were, gosh, that, that thing that person said on 60 Minutes last night, I got to massage that and figure out what does it mean to me? And I might be able to use that in a talk. So you see, it was whispering to me. Like it didn't, I don't want to blow people's ears out, but it, like speaking and, and retiring from the NBA or stepping away from the NBA, it didn't like say, Kevin, you got to get into speaking. It was like, yeah. yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden it went from in my mind to front of mine. Yeah. Right. And then from that point forward, I said, I'm going to give this a shot. Wendy was all good. We had a certain way we wanted to do it. Um, in terms of being first class and, and uh, you know, not hagglers with, with fees and all that sort of stuff. So uh, luckily it's worked. So those uh, are the kind of the things that I'm awesome. involved in right now. Well, listen, I, I think this conversation we shared today, and again, if you're listening, there's just so much to Kevin Eastman and what you talk about. Um, go pick up the book. Uh, I just encourage you. We'll add the link in the show notes. So why the best of the best? Um, 25 words. I mean, there's, there's so much. We got to one of them today. We got to one. And um, here's what I believe, Kevin, is, is we sign off. I believe that we live in, you asked that question of why, and I didn't love how I answered that question. When I said, truth is the message that the corporate world needs. Here's why. We live in a really sensitive world. 
where people are, I think, even at times afraid to speak the truth. And we need to deal in truth in tactful and professional and thoughtful ways. But, but that's what you've mastered. You know, the live it, tell it, take it message is a message that I believe the corporate world needs. So you and I can talk about that more offline, but that's just my challenge to you. That's my encouragement to you is to run with that. And I don't know if it's a, a, a masterclass or if it's just a new talk that you give that's, and I know you're talking about truth all the time, or if that's a new book, but that is such a powerful message. And the truth is, you're a gift. This was a, this was a leadership masterclass. You are a living, breathing leadership masterclass. This was such a, this was such a delight today. I just say that um, with as much sincerity as I can say it with. This was a delight. It was an honor to have you on the show. It was an honor to have you in the back of the room when I was speaking at an event, watching you take notes. Here's somebody who's coached in the NBA for years and led at the highest level in the world of sports. It was a delight to watch you take notes as you listen to a mentee of yours. You know, many years your junior, less experience, hasn't been in the same rooms that you've been in. And um, there's this paradox of education. You know, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And you're living that out. And that's a blessing. And uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed the opportunity to become your friend. And I'm behind you. And I'm, I'm rooting for you. And I look forward to uh, just connecting further and, and for more conversation. This has been another episode of the Growth Over Goals podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. If you found any value in this episode, I would love it if you would rate review, subscribe to this podcast in an effort that we might move our mission of impact forward. I also want to say thank you to our producers, John Choate and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia for all of the work that they do behind the scenes to make this podcast go. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.